Primo, please. What? Oh, Madonna Miseria. Why do you still continue to resist? Why? I need your help, huh? This is not just some guy. This is Louis Prima. He's famous. Famous? Is he a good? He's great. People should come just for the food. Oh, I know that. They should come just for the food. I know. I know that. But they don't. Saw, I saw at one point like somebody riding a fifteen foot face at uh, oh, you know my first point um, you know Surfrider Beach Malibu just classic like it could have been right out of Endless Summer and then even the place where I surf which is more protected and smaller Sunset Point was huge you know it was ten to twelve mm-hmm. feet um, and um, and then you know there's Yikes. yeah it was big it was big I mean you know there were some waves I could have ridden but. You know, there were people who were sort of <laughs> in the more protected, like, wrapping area. But every now and again, a big washout set, would, like a big 10-foot set would come, and everybody would get, like, flushed out, you know. Just, and Yeah, totally. And there totally was, like, killed. a traffic jam, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and there was a traffic jam just from the surf. Like, there, like I would say half the surfers yeah. in L.A. were out, and then also thousands of spectators, you know. Just, like, I have a photo of just, like you know, hundreds of railbirds taking photos, like leaning against this one fence. And the, I mean, the waves were massive. Uh, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen clean waves that size in my life before, you know, the, uh, that picture you sent, I was like, Whoa, that is a very well-shaped wave. Um, and knowing that it was, you know, 10 to 15 feet tall, was like, Oh my God, that's they, a lot. The shape is beautiful and it's a North swell. And most of the beaches are South facing. So if you're thinking about it, they're wrapping at least 120 degrees and they're being so they're being mm-hmm. blocked by the Channel Islands. So like the original swells like 50 feet and then all of that, you know, the Channel Islands and the wrapping is knocking it down to like 15 feet. And by the time it reaches the shore, it's just clean and beautiful. But um, if you get caught inside and you're not able to duck dive or turtle, you're going to be washing machined for 25, oh. 30, 35 seconds, you know, it, which is terrifying. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, I was just listening to a, I think it was a Huberman Lab podcast, and he was talking about doing some diving where um, they were they were doing like shark observations mm-hmm. and he was going to stay in the, the cage. Uh, but a lot of the people that he was going with were were doing like cage exit and like swimming around with sharks and stuff like that. If you know how to do it, it's totally safe. Um, and his uh, they, they were breathing off of a line, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. off of tanks. Right. And the line got like horribly kinked oh no and he's like well that's fine there's like rescue tanks here in the cage with me both tanks are empty oh shit and so he was like okay uh i have to leave the tank and he's like he 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 had never done the like swimming safely with sharks before yeah and so he was like all right well he's like if i stay here i'm gonna drown he's like if i leave i may drown or be eaten by a shark but or or how i stay here how deep is he 
there he's not deep enough that you got to worry about the bends okay so all he's you know, gonna do think, is go up he doesn't have he's to, just he's just got to go up through the sharks um, <laughs> right <laughs> through the sharks and in the and, right direction which when you're below 30 feet under is really you don't yeah. necessarily know which way is up you know and and so he he gets out of the cage and like see and like another diver like sees that it like is like like sort of realizes what's happening and swims over to him and it took about 30 or 40 seconds Ugh. and he was like yeah and he was like that doesn't sound like a lot of time but it was a lot of time yes um but oh my like what a yeah being underwater for 30 or 40 seconds is a very long time well and you know a lot of it is your it's build up a carbon dioxide because it's so, and which makes which creates that panic response, and we're, we don't. You actually often have more air than you mm-hmm. feel like you have. You know, you, and and you know, free divers learn to kind of ignore that and and to actually sort of follow other body cues. And, and the more you surf, you know, you sort of like okay, you're like okay, ten second hold under. I didn't like that, but now I've done it. Wasn't terrible. Okay, now fifteen second hold under. But you don't really want to go from like. 10 to 30 without <laughs> progressing. You know, I, I'm now I'm now thinking of like a particularly abusive surf camp where like the instructor like does that for yeah. you. He's like, all right, all right, next up, next up, I'm going to hold you under for 20 seconds yeah. and kind of thrash you around a little bit. Uh, yeah. I don't know. This is like... Um, it's like a, uh, it's like like a retired teen, sergeant teen sports movie. One that is set in like 1993. Should we get into it? Should we get into Big it? Big night? Big night? Yeah. Yeah. I am. I am. Boy, what what, yeah. a, what a piece of work. What it's, a it's, movie. It's even better than I, it's, I mean, I, not to just spoil it, it's even better than I remember. Um, and I remember it being very good. Yeah. Um, but there there were things about it I hadn't noticed. And and also, well, I mean, maybe we should, should, should we just start with uh, the recap? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, Let's intro it. Uh, This is uh, Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott's 1996 movie, uh, The uh, Big Night. Not The Big Night, just Big Night. Right. Although the original screenplay was called The Big Night. Uh, But um, so it begins. Mm. We um, there's the first little shot you see is very intriguing. It's this young guy uh, played by Michael Anthony Cristiano staring out at the bay. uh, What we learn is a little New Jersey town. But then very quickly, we're in a kitchen and we meet Secondo and Primo, two brothers who own and operate a small Italian restaurant. Uh, Primo is the chef. Uh, He has a hilariously large mustache played by Tony Shaloub. He is shy and brilliant. And uh, Secondo, played by Stanley Tucci, is kind of the front man, the businessman. Um... We, we also learn that Primo is attracted to this local businesswoman who is a flower lady played by... Uh, Allison Janney. Allison Janney, brilliant. And uh, Secondo has a girlfriend, Phyllis, who he sort of seems ambivalent about. Um, and uh, the business is struggling. Um, and so one of the things that happens very early on is... Secondo goes to a neighboring business, Pascal's. Pascal played 
amazingly by Ian Holm. Totally um, forgot that it was Ian Holm. Yeah, I 100% mean, forgot just, it was Ian like, Holm. Transformed himself. Yeah. yeah, he he is not Bilbo Baggins. He he's not a you know little Welsh man. You know he is an Italian. Um, he's not uh, King Lear. He's not King <laughs> Lear. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, kind of reminds me of um, Richard Dreyfuss' ability to yeah. kind of transform. Similar right. kind of little guy energy who can who can play sort of mousy but also play confident. Um, mm-hmm. So Pascal is connected, and he operates a more successful but kind of more of a pandering restaurant uh primo doesn't like him i should also say that early on we get this scene where segundo segundo is taking uh an order from a kind of typical customer who who doesn't appreciate their authentic roman italian cuisine and she's complaining about why there aren't any chunks of seafood in the risotto and then she wants a side order of pasta and there's a hilarious scene where segundo goes and tries to get primo to cook the side order of pasta and primo's incredibly upset about it because she's a philistine um but anyway this all sets up the business is struggling they ask pascal for a loan he says no but he offers to do them a favor which is to invite his friend louis prima over to the restaurant in a few days so that they can get some publicity from that And uh, Secundo says, you do that for me? And Pascal says, yeah, of course, it's the least that I can do. Um, I want you guys to be successful. And, uh, and we jump very, and I, I almost missed this in the, in the film. He says something like, like next Saturday or next Friday right. or something like that. And then that. it's Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like right away. You, yep. We just, we jump to the day of the action. Um, and this whole kind of early middle part of the movie is about them preparing the meal primo's not really like on board yet he's kind of like oh this is sort of your party isn't it partly Um, because secondo has not totally explained how this came about because he knows that primo doesn't like pascal right right or has not explained their financial situation which is like they drain their bank account preparing for this meal it's make or break Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's another Babette's feast. <laughs> right. It is. It is. It, it is very similar to Babette's feast in certain yeah. certain respects. Um, but uh, Secundo does kind of explain without directly explaining to Primo just how important this meal is. And uh, that, that gets Secundo on board. Uh, that gets Primo on board. Um, Secundo is kind of distracted by side errands. He goes off to, um, secure the booze for the night. And we discover that Secundo is sleeping with Pascal's girlfriend, uh, Gabriella. Uh, and, um, so to be fair is part of securing the booze for the evening. Uh, uh, but, um, this is an illicit affair, right? Like the, the, but neither Pascal or Phyllis know about this. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that brings us to the evening. Uh, there's a lot of preparation that's been going on, a lot of cooking, um, and guests start arriving. Uh, there's anticipation, there's cocktails, uh, Secundo keeps delaying, hoping that Louis Primo will show up. Um, and there's a whole bunch of fun. One of the guests starts lip syncing to Mambo Italiano and there's a conga line. Uh, and finally Secundo declares that they're going to eat, even though Louis Prima has not showed up. And, uh, as we expect, the meal is absolutely amazing. 
Um, and then uh, then things begin to take a turn. Why don't you tell us what happens? Well, and it's also worth noting that uh, Alice and Janie's character, the flower lady, shows up, and mm. she and Primo really start courting in a, a overt way, even though Primo is very shy. So Primo's having a good trajectory up to this point. But basically, yeah. and I can't quite remember the order in, in which all of these th- things happen, but in a very short order... We learn first. Um, Gabriella it, uh, kisses is sort of kissing and consoling Secondo, and Phyllis sees this and is heartbroken, and runs out onto the beach and goes swimming, and she's very upset. And you know she's been nothing but loyal and supportive all of this time, and is rightly mm-hmm. upset at the betrayal. Um, Gabriella is an interesting character here, but she she uh, kind of bullies uh, Pascal into admitting what has happened, which is Louis Prima was never going to come. And we don't really know why right now, but he has to explain that to Primo, who he has really developed an affinity for in the course mm-hmm. of the evening. And he kind of sheepishly shrugs and leaves um, everybody makes their way to the beach. Not everybody, but Primo and Secondo. Phyllis has a final confrontation, you know, with Secondo, where she basically is like, I don't want to hear any more of your prevarications. I'm out of here. Um, this is Minnie Driver, by the way, playing Phyllis uh, wonderfully. Um, mm-hmm. This cast. Oh, my God. Um, and then Secondo and Primo have a fight, uh, like down yeah. in the sand, wrestling, screaming at each other. Basically, it's the same tension we've seen all this time, which is that Primo doesn't want to compromise the art of his cooking, and he resents Secondo for trying to get him to compromise it. Secondo resents that Primo won't compromise for the sake of their business, and it all comes out. They have a nasty fight. Uh, It reaches the point where they're just kind of exhausted, and they're sort of laying there in the sand. And then... um, Secondo kind of drags himself back to the restaurant. He goes inside and it's empty except for Pascal is playing the piano. And I'll let you take it from there. Secundo is kind of like a little nonplussed. Why, why has Pascal returned and says, you've ruined me and why? And uh, it turns out that Pascal has done it because he wants to put them out of business so that Primo, primarily, and Secundo. Um, the naming convention right there is just. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. If they, I don't think those are their actual names, right? I think those are their yeah. family nicknames. You know, first son, totally. second son. You know, older brother. It's like it's like calling somebody big brother, little brother. But then we. I don't think we ever learn their actual names because everybody calls no. them Primo and Seco or Secundo. Primo and Secundo. Yeah. But it's like it's such a perfect moment where it just works because I think uh, I think uh, Pascal says something like. Well, and you too are obviously important, which, you know, basically says that you are not important. Right. Um, uh, Secundo says that will never happen. Uh, Primo has something rare. You are nothing. And Pascal says, I'm a businessman. I'm anything at any time that I'm necessary to be. And he leaves. And what um, And what do you think you are? Yeah. It's just a real... Quite, they, they quite both, an exit line. They both zing each other pretty effectively. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a question for you at the end about that. Um, the, it is almost dawn by this point. 
we it, we get the sense that because we know that it's around 3 a.m. when the party is wrapping up, so it's probably around four now. And uh, Secundo goes into the kitchen, um, and maybe it's a little while later. It does feel like a little time. I feel like has maybe passed. he took a nap. Yeah, maybe he slept yeah. for an hour. Or the, two. the light kind of suggests that maybe the sun is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, this shot is almost a perfect uh. echo of our opening scene shot. Yep. Um, and um, Cristiano is sleeping on the pass. Um, and Secundo kind of wakes him up and asks him if he's hungry um, and uh, makes an omelet. And they eat some some eggs and some bread. And Primo comes in. And he and Secundo kind of share a silent moment. Um, and then Secundo makes a plate for Primo and puts some eggs on it and some bread. And they sit down and Cristiano leaves to give them some privacy. And they each put one arm around the other and and it's over. And uh, roll the credits. Uh, um Oof. absolutely <laughs> like absolutely up just like recapping it the two brothers <laughs> you know they're there together their bond is unbroken even if other things are yeah. broken um well my first question for you is okay that's that morning what happens the rest of that day and probably more importantly what happens to the loose ends? You know, and I think we forgot to mention, Primo has gotten a job offer from his uncle back in Italy, back in Rome, which he is leaning mm-hmm. towards taking. He wants Secondo to come with him. Secondo doesn't want to. Secondo wants to try to make the restaurant work. So what happens that day? Does Pascal feel guilty and offer them the loan after all? Do they get, does, does Secondo get back together with Phyllis, do they find a way? Does the newspaper reporter write a review? Um, there are a number of scenarios that could just salvage the restaurant, or maybe Primo goes back to Rome. What do you think happens to Primo and Secondo and their dream of owning a restaurant together in New Jersey and in the United States of America? God, that's such a great question. Um, we know that they only have $62 in their bank account when things are over. They probably don't have enough money to really run the place for a day. Um, uh, boy, um, what happens that day? There are no credit cards. This is like 1961 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, and they and we know from an early scene that their their credit with the bank is is yeah. is done. The, They've maxed uh, out you know, their line of credit. Yep. Yeah. And uh if they don't if they don't pay it back by the end of this month, uh that the bank is going to um yeah, uh basically repossess the uh the 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 restaurant. Um what is going to happen? I I think I think they probably have to close the restaurant. I, I don't, I, I, I think that that is the next thing that occurs. Yeah. I, that's, I mean, I, I, this is one of those questions about like, do movies and books have an existence beyond the like bounds of their creation, which is like an endlessly interesting question. Like, you know, what, you know, what happens after the end of, uh, we are not, I'm not going to bring up star Wars because like 
We just keep learning what happens after the ends of things. And it's always not entertaining. Right. Um, <laughs> and, um, but yeah, like, you know, what happens at the end? I mean, we know that at the end of Gatsby, like Nick goes back to the Midwest and sort of doesn't want anything to like happen anymore. And I'm sure Daisy and Tom kind of go on existing together and poor Jay is dead. Um, but but this movie ends on a more uh, hopeful note than Gatsby, even if they are ruined. The the final image is one of hope, right? Yeah, it's one of well, it's one of I don't know if it's one of hope, but it is one of um, unity. And that's hopeful. Their relationship has um, not, you has, know, has has not been broken. And, you know, right. and and. And I think the the very powerful moment is when Secondo says, you know, my brother's never going to work for you, Pascal. He, what he has is rare. Yeah. And because in that moment, Secondo is basically choosing not to compromise anymore. Like, like essentially, right. Pascal has offered an out. Like, you can keep doing yeah. more or less what you're doing. Come work with me. You know, we'll give you a job. And... He's basically siding with Primo, you know, and basically saying no. He's 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 actually go, he's going back on the stance he's taken the entire film, which is we have to compromise, you know, in mm-hmm. order to make this work for the sake of practicalities. And in that moment, he says, "No, we're not going to compromise." And so, the the two brothers end the film unified, but in in a way that they haven't been in a way they haven't uh, been they they come. They come in and out of unity throughout right. the movie, but they're, they're but always at close. No point, their love for each other yeah. and their closeness, and they're always kind of looking out for each other, even though they're always driving each other crazy throughout the film. And and ironically, this is probably the this moment is probably the closest that they have been right. the entire the entire right. film. Um, so I don't know the particulars of what is going to happen, but I do know that. I do know that they are going to work something out together. Yeah. Like the story continues uh, very, very hilariously. Uh, apparently a lot of people have this question. There are several fan fiction sequels <laughs> uh, of Big Night Big floating Night around out there. As I was digging around for trivia, I cannot tell you the number of like, oh, I've written a screenplay sequel of this. And I was but like, you are kidding me. <laughs> really? Big day, you know, it, like it's Allison. Like, it's turns like, out Allison like deciding has like a fortune she's been sitting on and just, they just decides to, uh, you know, invest in a new restaurant and become a three way partner. Or Pascal feels very guilty. And says, you know what? Fine, yeah, I'll be, totally. I'll be, I'll be an equity partner. I'll underwrite your restaurant. You know, I'm going to take a third of the profit, but it, you're, you're in charge. It's now going to be, you know, Pascal and Segundo and Primo, or you know, I mean, yeah. and I mean, do, do you, would you want to see that movie? No, no, no. A sequel to this movie would be like, would be like a sequel called like Talking with Godot. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like, like <laughs> what Godot had to say, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Godot arrives, um, yeah, you know, yeah. and like, and that's just not the point. Like, the point of this movie isn't. It's like it's so it's so interesting. 
this movie, the plot is important and what happens is important. And at the same time, it is not important. Mm. I mean, actually, it is pretty similar to Waiting for Godot. <laughs> like, they're basically in two... In Babette's Feast. Yeah. It, like, right, two the... very close friends slash family members who spend a lot of time toing and froing about all of this other stuff. But really, the point is the connection between mm. Primo and Secundo or Vladimir and Estragon. And, and yeah, and in the end, that is strengthened. And, you know, my brain is doing the same thing those fan fiction people are doing as well. But I think ultimately it is so... It, it's a perfect ending. To know. I mean, you yeah. know, if we watch the movie where Alice and Janney does have a fortune and invests, <laughs> you know, I I, that, would, that would be fun too, you know. But... um <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I mean, I guess the, the, the short answer to my question is is you basically you're saying it doesn't matter or, or you I don't want to like, know. I, I do. I, yeah, I don't want to know. I don't want this. I don't want I want it to continue as I, I want it to exist. You as want it, it to is. exist as it is, as in right. you want the you want it to live in the place of ambiguity. Yeah. The resonances of it. Can, it's like a poem. Yeah. Like it, you want those reverberation. The, the pleasure is the reverberation it leaves behind, not the fulfillment. Right. It's like ending on a seventh chord or something like that, which and is like many sort of more. <laughs> Love. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, interesting choice. Of, I mean, you know, that that is the, the that is a seventh. I think it's um, a seventh. I don't know. That's that. That was what instinctively came to mind. It sounds seventh in barbershop. Yeah, totally. Da, 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 um, da. Well, I've, I've, I've got a reading. Yeah. Shall that we do that? I want. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is from this. This is sort of the third or fourth scene. Um, th like they've closed down the restaurant for the night. They're about to go home. Secundo is going to go off and see Phyllis. Uh, Primo is probably going to go to the barbershop where, uh, uh, what's the name of the, the owner of the barbershop? Alberto, like, the man Alberto. who looks like a fish. <laughs> he does. It's true. Um, and they are, they're sharing a moment and uh, Secundo smoking a cigarette outside and they're looking across the street at Pascal's restaurant. Um, and um, yeah. Uh, who, do you want to be Secundo? I'll be Primo. Okay. Okay. Um, next time I'm going to be, I'm going to be Primo cause I enjoy Primo's accent quite a bit, but, um, uh, are we going to, are we going to uh, attempt accents? I don't know if we should. <laughs> oh, I think so. I think okay. so. Where are we, where are we starting here? We're starting, uh, at the, uh, where Secundo says, uh, uh, he's busy again tonight. Okay. He's busy again tonight. A man should be in prison for the food he serves. People love it. Okay. Good night. Where you go? To see Phyllis. Oh, say hi for me. Okay. You go out? Yeah. Where? Out. To a movie. Oh. You want to come? Why? <laughs> no. I go see Alberto. Okay. Good night. What is the movie? Do you want to come? Come. Come on. No, 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 I don't want to come. Come on, call up the flower lady. Come see Chisma. What's her name, Anne? Anne, right? Double date. Who? Why would I call her? Oh, I don't know. Alberto said that you and she were... Mm, what? You, you know. He said that? Yeah. No secret. It takes you longer each time when you go to buy the flowers, so... 
Well, I don't just grab any flower. I like to pick the right one. <laughs> don't take too long. Someone else might pick the one you want. Ciao. I, so what... <laughs> how much is... Uh, how much is unsaid here? Well... Okay, so what is unsaid is their affection and banter for each other. Mm -hmm. And then also, well, unsaid is Primo's attraction to the flower lady, Anne. And I think the thing that's really, really important is we get we get this several times in sort of the opening third, which is the basic character sketch. Uh, Segundo is confident, comfortable, social, bantering, a joker. Primo is shy, and he is not very assertive. So even, does he want to go out with Secondo? I don't know. Maybe he does, but he's not going to ask. He's not going to hit on the flower lady. He's not going to really say what he wants. And I think I think all of that is happening. And also, I think you get, they're very comfortable with each other. And even though there's a little bit of annoyance, you know, Secondo's like, why, come on, you know, just say what you want if you want to come with me. But they, they clearly enjoy each other's company too and they're very very comfortable with one yeah. another that i mean that's that's what i get do you get anything else yeah i get i mean i i when i was watching this i was like oh my god like it felt it it really felt like watching um uh, like Her like a harold pinter play mm -hmm. um a lot of pauses not much actually said Lots and lots of and and um, oh my god the um, Stanley Tucci and Tony Shalhoub when they do this I think uh, Stanley Tucci adds a third and yeah uh, the como uh, si chiama and 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 <laughs> like yeah. and they're almost talking over each other and yeah. Tony Shalhoub says no back to him while he's still or says who while he's still saying and and it's like it it felt like a very serious who's on first sketch um where the point is like not actually the stuff that's being said but like so much underneath you can actually see like stanley tucci does this thing where he realizes that he's teasing primo a little bit and there's this little wry smile when he starts talking about Anne. yeah um and like this th like this is so this kind of text is so hard to write because it probably wouldn't occur to you to write it like this. Hmm. And I just think that this is like, this really got me like back into like, I was like, oh, that's right. This movie is amazing. Um, and like do the, you think, yeah. and do you think, I mean, I gather that these actors had sort of worked together. Like maybe they're part of kind of a New York theater scene. And because, you know, Tucci and Shaloub in particular, but also Campbell Scott, who's the car salesman. Um, and that's a scene I'm going to uh, talk about a little bit later. There's there's the 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 one on ones of the acting is so utterly believable and comfortable that it just made me think, like, are these people part of a company? You know, are mm. they a troupe of some kind or have they improv together or or, you know, do they go in? I mean, that's the other thing is that often the script doesn't quite follow or the film doesn't quite follow the script, too. And mm. I feel like probably what's happening is, you know, Tucci and Campbell Scott are the directors and they're basically saying, like, OK, here's what happens in this scene. You've read the lines, but. You play it loose, right? You know, yeah. react, play it loose. Yeah. And and even, you know, there there's another one like that, too, where um, 
Shaloub as Primo is sort of um, when Secondo wants to take away risotto from the menu, and and uh, Primo pretends to agree, but he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, take it away. We could. Um, he basically pretends to have a serious idea of what they're going to add. And Secondo comes over and he's like, oh, yeah, tell me, tell me. Because he's relieved that Primo agreed. Yeah. So he's like, okay, well, uh, what's your idea? You know, like we've, we've moved past the difficult part. And he's like, yeah, we could have one of those um, uh, you know, manicotti. No, no. Um, what do they call it? Uh, a hot dog. Hey, we could have, uh, you, know, you know, and he's just trolling him, right? He's just razzing <laughs> yeah. him, and the timing of it is so great. I mean, it, I mean, it's Shaloub is acting, Primo acting in that yeah. moment, and it's great, you know. Uh, yeah. And it's it's yeah, but there's a tremendous comfort that these actors have with this dialogue, and that and, that um, uh, that like pas de deux comes back on the beach mm. when when Primo is like, I called Paolo, we can go, we can go back to Rome, we can, we have a job, we have a job. And at first, Secundo says, oh, yeah. yeah, and, and yeah, good. and like even smiles and looks warm and it's like, and it's heartbreaking because you remember the conversation about the risotto that just happened, you know, like yeah. last week. And it's another one of the resonances of this movie. I, I would love to go scene by scene and see if it is a palindrome, uh, because like we pretty much end where we begin uh, with that. Like this, it's the same camera angle yeah. of the shot of the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, there's just so many. It is so well put together. Um, and the the reason I brought up this text and I think you're right that they are probably all used to working with each other because like you can't really pull this off without that level of intimacy um I really think that this movie is about what is said and what is unsaid and the the things that are unsaid for the longest time are things like I love you yeah. And yeah, and I care for you. And um, and Phyllis sort of tries to pin him down about like where their relationship is going. And you kind of get the sense that Phyllis is just kind of horny um, and is like kind of <laughs> like just wants to well, like she wants make affection. out with him. I mean, she yeah. wants, she wants to be madly in love with him yeah. and he doesn't know what he wants. Um, yeah. And and yeah, I, I don't know that it's carnal so much as she just she can sense i think that there's some reticence and it something's off her. yeah some and and, and, and there's there so reticence. much reticence in this movie yeah like people just don't say to each other the things that yeah. i mean the scene you know the scene that you're talking about in the cadillac like bob wants secundo to buy a car but that's not what that scene's about yeah it's about like so much other stuff and um and I think that the the, you know, the climax of the movie comes when things are finally said. When did you see this last? Like, when was the last time you saw this before uh, you saw it this I, time? I saw it for the first time about two or three years ago, actually. And that was the last time I saw it. Yeah. Okay. Um, did, you, did you remember that this is the way that it ended? Do you mean the one shot of the egg? Uh, no, of just them not succeeding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I remember... I think so. I think I remember that Louis Prima never came. 
Yeah, no, I think I remembered it, and they had, but they had a marvelous night. I, but to your point, it definitely felt triumphant, and I think maybe this time around, I was sort of. That's why I asked you that first question because I'm like, wait a minute, where's the triumph here? Um, and so it might be. Yeah, I think I remember that he never came, but maybe I had this sense that like there was some promise that things were going to work out anyway, which there's not. I know. Yeah, I I spent the whole, like, I sort of knew, like, like you kind of know pretty pretty soon that Louis Prima's never going to come. Right. Like, that's the structure of this movie, and, and I think that... Well, and you never really trust Pascal. He, yeah, he, he always seems like he's, he's, whether he's lying or not... There always seems like there's something off about him too. I love that that weird lamp that's obscuring his eyes. Oh my god! What eye. was up with that? <laughs> and then and then he pushes it down. Yeah. And then the lamp is in the same orientation when we're looking at Secundo. I yeah. spent that whole scene being like, "This is amazing." I I, I was like, I don't quite understand it, but I think, I think, I think it's I, there's just, definitely it's sort there's of, a reason it's here. It's it's part of. It, Secondo's discomfort with the whole conversation, I think it's sort of setting. And the entire mm-hmm. time, you know, like the, Pascal is so boisterous and like literally bites him on the ass at one moment. And, yeah, yeah. And, and I was Secundo, gonna say this is a man who's he's he's got something he wants here, so he has to be acting like everything is okay when it's clearly not. And I think the lamp is just part of that. And it's a power move. Too. Uh, okay. I think it's a power yeah. move. I mean, you notice that that uh, Pascal's desk is also up elevated and yeah. so that when Secondo's sitting in the couch even though he's taller you know uh than pascal he's diminished and he has to look up at him you know and he's yeah. begging for money at that moment too so it it's i think it's just reinforced but it's also just a weird a weird weird texture mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot of that i think the movie has a lot of just like it's just in there to be memorable in a way to, and if in the way that life is memorable in the way that like oh yeah hmm. the guy who sold you the mint is going to just start lip syncing like the mamba song and everyone's going to do a conga yeah. line you know that's just going to happen because that's what happens at moments of ecstasy like that things get weird true, yeah. and exuberant and specific <laughs> Or like the the way that the um oh my god the flashing the the flashing pink light of their sign oh yeah is like front. such a prominent texture of and the the second half of the movie especially when Gabrielle goes and helps Phyllis who you know is mm. vomiting and they have this and I think Gabrielle is genuinely tender to her at that moment yeah. even though she's the other woman and knows it and sort of pities her but is also sort of jealous of her um, there's this I think she her instinct is sort of very genuine, but I, I think that light is, it's reinforcing the kind of two-faced nature of Gabriella in that moment, that she is both kind yeah. and deceptive. Uh, in, um, so question for you. Um, okay, so, I mean, going back to what Monica said about foodie films, yeah. I'm curious, how much time, screen time, do you think is actually devoted to the preparation of food? in this movie Mm, what a great question um okay um and how and how does that how does that compare with your memory of that or your expectation of that interesting um you know the the food the food preparation and serving coincides with moments of 
character illustration or of high emotion. Um, so like the very, the, the very first thing we see when, um, Cristiano comes back from smoking a cigarette at the beginning is the two brothers cooking together and preparing yeah. food together. Um, very rhythmic and, too. They, 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 oh. you know, I, I feel like they've got good moves and Tucci studied at a restaurant for like six months. Uh, he still scrapes the cutting board with the, sh- the sharp side of the uh, knife, which you are not supposed to do. I didn't catch that. And you, you know, we, this is the, the value of having a real back of house uh, uh, cook on the upper middle brow roster. Um, okay, I, so I, get, I understand why they did it, but yeah, but um, to get back, back to, to the that, question, to your question, yeah, so like, I, I, so yeah, the, the, and then like, I think a very important moment is when Primo is in the kitchen cooking for Anne and, mm-hmm. and, and showing her uh, a sauce and he feeds her something. I, you're right that there are very few moments actually of, of food, of actual food preparation. Um, I, you know, maybe there is the movie's about an hour and 50 minutes long. I, I, I maybe 10 minutes, 10 that's, minutes, 15 that was, minutes. That's I, 10 minutes is my guess. And that includes Tops. like three minutes for the omelet at the end too. And, yeah. <laughs> which happens in real time. Um, and, and, and um, yeah. And I, I, you know, but I think like if you talk, if you look at Monica, like that's what Monica likes is seeing those moments. I think in memory, those moments are very big, like making the timpano, cutting into the timpano, mm-hmm. pulling the, 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 the lid off the timpano and seeing it there, both perfect and imperfect at the same time. You know, um, some, the, the sort of rhythmic moment of both of them prepping at the same time. The moment when there's a moment where Secondo feels like maybe Primo is backed out and isn't going to help prepare the meal and he's mm-hmm. he kind of has this moment of like okay i guess i'm doing it you know i'm not i'm not the one you would want but i'm the one we got and then uh, S- uh yeah. primo comes in and kind of elbows him out of the way and uh secondo switches kind of into sous chef position and and um and, and there are a few other little moments like that but yeah i think it's probably under 10 minutes and i think yeah what it reminds me of though is that you get the sense of having immersed in the kitchen and in the food prep. Mm-hmm. What it really reminds me of, and I, I I swear, listener, I didn't force this. This is literally what it occurred to me. We always talk about Star Wars, but we don't try to, is the Mos Eisley Cantina. <laughs> so, you know, mm. in the first Star Wars movie, you have this sense of you're in this universe full of droids and stormtroopers. Most of our characters are humanoid, except for the droids and Chewbacca. And yet we also know that this is a galaxy that has lots of interesting non-human extraterrestrials. Um, And a lot of them are on, I think, maybe two minutes of screen time in the Mos Eisley Cantina. Maybe five minutes. You see, like, the walrus face guy and the werewolf guy and the devil guy and Greedo. And just that little moment. There's probably, again, less than ten minutes of, like, weird extraterrestrials in Star Wars. But Star Wars, but that's enough to create the sense of, oh, they're out there and they're everywhere and they're all around us. And this is a very, you know, to our eyes, bizarre and exotic galaxy full of interesting extraterrestrials. And I think it's the same lesson that sometimes that because the, 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 the cooking moments 
are not necessary. They're important, but they're not dialogue. They're not character. They're not often things happening, except for that moment you were talking about where uh, Anne tastes the uh, sauce and says, my God, my God. Um, and also, you know, not coincidentally, uh, Primo puts his finger in her mouth, which is, yeah. you know, it's an intimate it's an intimacy, yeah. especially for somebody as shy as he am, it's, as he is. It's bringing them closer together. But I think it's like filmmakers take note. You can often suggest the bigness of your world and the texture with only little little moments. And I think I noticed mm-hmm. this in, in the same thing in Babette's Feast um, as well, and even even Eat Drink Man Woman. I think there's you know you see Chu cooking, but probably only for about five minutes the entire time. You know, scoring yeah. the fish, and and those cuts are very short. You know, you see him deboning the 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 catfish or the carp or whatever it is, and then you see him rolling the dumpling. But it's like probably five seconds here, ten seconds here, five seconds here, and you got it, and you have this sense of a whole cornucopia of preparation. And I, I think that's really, I think that's really neat. Yeah, in the same way that you never really get to know many of the guests. Right, but, you're, the, but the there's party. a broad, the, you, they're intriguing. Like there's yeah. the, the black lady who's maybe some kind of singer, right? And then there's the painter who looks like Stephen Stills, like late life Stephen Stills. And then, you know, um, and the, the the tall stately reporter, you mm-hmm. know, and they all, you get, you have this it's kind of like star wars and yeah. um and how terrible would it be if you were to give the tall reporter his own series um <laughs> you know? yeah that would be a boring series yeah you, you liked Wretched. him in big night don't you want to see his like day-to-day life as a reporter no probably not you know probably not um yeah i, I it's the same thing i think I, you're absolutely right about that yeah, it, it, this is one of those, it, yeah, like incredible, incredibly economical films that manages to tell a really big story in like in a very small, compressed setting that doesn't do a lot of like food stuff or other character developments. I mean, it, it really like it really feels like it could have been a play, but you just couldn't pull off you couldn't do this as a play. It just isn't going to work because you, you do need to see, you need to see the food the way that it is, even for the small amounts of time that we see it. Yeah. No, you Um, need to cut into the timpano and you need, you you need the meatballs bisected, you know, mm -hmm. and the, and the, what is it? ZT bisected in front of you, you know, you need to see when they, when they uncover the timpano, (laughs) Christiana reach for it. And Secundo sort of like slap his hand. And then there's this amazing top down shot. As as three hands creep into the frame and kind of caress the tympano, yeah, uh, and then yes, and then they both get their heads down to it and they listen to it. Secondo kisses it. Oh, it, yeah, kisses it, and then one of them, and then Primo is like, "It's too hot," and Secundo says, "We have to serve now," and they begin to pull it, and Secundo is like, "Maybe it's too hot," and Primo's like. Maybe it is too hot. We should stop. And Secundo's like, we have to serve. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, yeah. And it happens in less than a minute. Yeah. And it is, it is marvelous. I yeah. mean, this, this is just this movie. <laughs> I want to re- I want to do a reading. Um, Great. And yeah. I didn't paste the script, although uh, maybe I'll do a screen share so we can do it together. Okay. I think this yeah. time I would like to be primo. Uh, so let okay. me see if I can make this work as a screen share. Um, 
So as I'm doing that, working on the screen share, I'll. This is very shortly after the reading you did. Um, sorry, I'm having trouble finding my Zoom window. Where is it? Where is it? Where? Is it? Too many windows. Not enough time. Uh, okay, here's Zoom. There is reading. Share screen. Let's go with script. Okay, so you should see the script now. Do you see it? I see the script. Okay, so uh, yeah, basically um, what's happening now is this is the morning they're preparing for the big night, kind of um, not long after uh, Pascal has made his offer. And they're in the car together. They've just purchased um, some fish. It's actually a little bit differently, uh, different in the movie. Um, in, in the movie, you have Secondo complaining. Um, but will you play Secondo and I'll play uh, Primo sure. and you can start with I Have a Friend, Just Listen? Um, I have a friend, just listen, can get us a nice Barolo, cheap. If you are like. Primo, please, what? Oh, Madonna Miseria, why do you still continue to resist? Why? I need your help, huh? This is not just some guy, this is Louis Prima. He's famous. Famous? Is he a good? He's great. People should come just for the food. Oh, I know that. They should come just for the food. I know, I know that, but they don't. Scene. <laughs> that that scene is it, it's it's the the way Stanley Tucci does the but they don't. But they don't, and that's is, there's the rub, right? Like yeah, and it's you know, it's what you were saying last time or about um, the middle daughter um, in Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. You know that that. How many of us can relate to creating something that you love that is not appreciated in the world? And therefore, so you come up with something else that's related to make a living and then you resent that. Yeah. And, and, where, and where do you find the balance? If, if you just do it Primo's way, the restaurant will tank. If you do it Secondo's way, what's the point of having a restaurant? Mm-hmm. And I love how, I just love how that's set up early on. I think, I have to say, you know, you and I are pretty good, but I, I think that Tony Shalhoub and uh, uh, Stanley Tucci played <laughs> it a little probably, bit better than you, than you and they I did. Probably, they, they probably had a few takes, more though. We only had one yeah. take, and we didn't get to rehearse. This is a cold fucking reading, man. It's a cold reading, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember how to pronounce should, Miseria. Yeah, without a Miseria. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the things that's really interesting about this film, too, is... They start speaking in Italian. They mostly speak in English because it it's uh, Secondo is more comfortable in English. But mm -hmm. then when they have their fight, they're in Italian again, too. And, and it's it's beautiful the the yeah. fight, the things they say to each other. You're rotten. This yeah. place is eating us alive. Um, and that yeah, anger so is bursting out, like physically. Y yeah. You know, that whatever whatever kind of acting they did to access that rage, you can see mm -hmm. it in their, you know, the way they paw at each other when they're fighting. There's, there's, I think to me, the greatest moment was Tucci as Secondo when he says, this place is eating you alive. And he says, I don't care. I'm glad. And it's it's like it's like the anger is bursting out of his body. It's like juddering with yeah. the frustration 
the fight choreography is incredible because it's like it's the most it's one of the more realistic fights you will ever see mm, in mm. a film yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is it is so wildly ineffectual right um, it, which is the way that most physical confrontations are especially in with the people world. who who love each other too where yeah. there's you know they don't really want to hurt each other but they also have to express this rage that's been building yeah. up that they've been suppressing all this time too yeah 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 it is yeah i mean i would love to talk with them about oh, it God. i'd be curious to hear because it really feels like these characters were lived in in a yeah. way like you could almost as though like i wonder if I know that Campbell Scott and Stan, Stanley Tucci wrote the script and directed it. And I think that's also, you know, to the point you were making earlier, I think you, the screenwriter would have to direct this kind of dialogue because yeah. I just don't, or have a really great mind meld with the director because I just don't think it's, it's, it's the thing you were saying about the things that are unsaid. The relationship between Primo and Secondo is so profound I don't think you could entirely encapsulate it in dialogue and action. Yeah. I think I think that you need to kind of start with the character and then you write the script that they're going to then play around. But it almost makes me wonder if Primo and Secondo existed as kind of like part of an improv or a play or a short, you know. And it, I wonder if it was always Tony Shalhoub since he so inhabits this role mm -hmm. so brilliantly or if there had ever been anyone else like was the script written did, did they have the character before the script or did they write the script and Shalou became the character either way it's astounding yeah um can you describe the arcs of our two main characters where do they start and where do they finish okay yeah tricky um i know that's a big i think one. primo's the easier one um so primo starts he is frustrated by the indignity of having to cook for people who don't appreciate his brilliance. He never leaves that. His brother takes him through a series of adventures. And in the course of his arc, he says to the world what he wants in two different ways that feel related. And one is he says, basically he confesses his attraction and interest in Anne. Mm -hmm. And second, he confesses his anger to his brother. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, he arrives, I'm not sure exactly, because I, again, we don't quite know what's going to happen. Yeah. But I think that he has reached a point where he is no longer willing to compromise. So whatever path forward exists, it will not involve him working for Pascal, and it won't involve him making spaghetti as a side to risotto ever again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> with a side of means, mashed potatoes? With a side of mashed potatoes, <laughs> even if it means going back to Italy. So I think that's primo. I think secondo is much more tricky and actually maybe i could kind of play you the audio that i had queued up as a as a way i was gonna i was gonna ask you a question about this but it relates sure. to your question so let me do another screen share so it's the big day before the big night and um secondo's running errands 
but he also is getting distracted. Uh, he gets distracted by Gabriella, uh, who he sleeps with. And then as he's kind of, and I think maybe this is in the moment where he's got to wait a little bit for the cheap liquor guy and he's got a little time to kill. He wanders by a Cadillac dealer and he starts looking at the Cadillacs and he's kind of, you know, fondling them and he hears this whistle and then he becomes aware that there's a man sitting in the car next to him, watching him. And that's where the scene begins. Are you uh, in the market? Um, what? Good-looking fellow like you should have a good-looking car like this. <laughs> well, we all should have a lot we don't have. Huh? I detect an accent. Where are you from? I'm Italian. Hmm. Just visiting and move here for good? I will never go back. It's a history, huh? In Italy, there's nothing but history. <laughs> Funny. Beautiful place, though, Italy. Yes, it is. You been? No, never. Here, get in. Oh, well, I Go don't ahead. know. I really can't, but... Well. Oh, boy. Wow. Beautiful, huh? Yes, this is, boy, beautiful. Real leather trim, full air. Uh-huh. Yes. This is the new one. This is this year's car. No, this is next year's. Next year's? Wow, boy. This year, you buy next year's car, and next year, next year's come out already again. Yeah. You got kids? Uh, no. I got two kids. They see their friend with a new toy, they gotta have it. Yeah? I got enough tension in my house, you know what I mean? Sure. I'm Bob. What's your name? Secondo. Mm. Pleasure. What did you do to your... Uh... Mm, I hurt my hand. How? I have no idea. That must be difficult to, uh... Right? Well, you know. What do I need my hands for? Segundo, like second. Yes. Who's the first, your pop? No, my brother. Mm. Screw over, screw over. Oh, well. Come on. Okay. I have a younger brother. I hate his guts. Uh, why? He's cheap. <laughs> but he's your brother. Yeah, well, he's a person. I hate cheap people. Me too. Yeah, I could tell that. You have good taste, Segundo. <laughs> Not that taste and money are related, but, you know. It's really what you do with whatever you have, right? Yeah. 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 Power steering, power brakes. Power, power. Brother like car, Segundo? <laughs> no, my brother, uh, he does not even drive. Well, some people prefer to walk. I tell you, my brother make one ride from Italy to America. And I guess that's enough rides for him, you know? Let's take a test drive. No, no, no. I have to go. Come on, no. come on. No commitment. It's so good. It is. <laughs> it's so it's also, good. God damn it. it. Why is it there? <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, literally, like, what's Secondo doing? He's supposed to be, like, getting all the ingredients they need. Well, th- this time listening to it, there's this moment when when they when he's talking about the the features and he says power steering power windows and secundo just under his breath goes power power mm-hmm. and like that i think is why that scene is there mm-hmm. like bob is a like i mean he's a he's a good car salesman he's oh, sure. very much a car salesman oh, sure. but like he he trades in power like that's, you know, of, of like, can I get this person to do the thing that I want them to do? And that is the thing that Secundo is going through with his brother. 
And somehow they end up talking about Primo and like Bob is talking. It's, it's amazing. Bob is talking about the car, but really he's talking about Secundo and Secundo is talking about the car, but he's really talking about Primo. Yeah. And it's just a, it's a, like, like what a, like, like this is a thing that you could write after you've only been if after you've lived in the movies and in plays for like two decades. Yeah, I. Well, and also I don't know what Tucci and Campbell Scott's relationship is exactly. Obviously, they must have been close because they wrote the script together. But it also has the, the you have the sense of like two actors who have improved. Like I almost felt like they improved that scene. It yeah. had that feeling too, even though it's probably scripted. What happened um, to your hand? No idea. No idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do I need my hand for? It must be out. And then, like, also, like, is this next year's car? No, it's next year's. Oh, but then by next year, <laughs> I, I have the, I have next year's car, but already they are having the, uh, the year after that car or whatever he says, which is just this like <laughs> extraordinary. But I, and I guess the reason I played it as an answer to your question. Is that I at some at some point somebody says to Secondo, you don't know what you want, and mm-hmm. I, I think that that is kind of Secondo's arc is kind of figuring out what is most important because actually he wants more than is possible. He wants he wants both things, right? He wants his relationship with his brother to be good. He wants his American girlfriend Phyllis, but he also wants Gabriella, the Italian you know, sensual girl. He, you know, and even he won't have sex with Phyllis because he's got maybe some idea around purity, but he will with Gabriella. And he, he wants what Pascal has, like a successful restaurant and power, but he doesn't want to compromise the way that Pascal is, although he's willing to do it a little bit. And, and so to me, part of what's happening is it's sort of like he's walking through a garden of temptations and he's being tempted by these different things. And so that when we finally get to the big night, the other feature of the big night is that Secondo doesn't ever really enjoy it. You know, Mm. everybody's having a great time. It doesn't matter that Louis Prima's not there, you know, and even primo is having a great time and he gets everybody to play the game with the ring and he's hitting on Anne, and they're having a great time and secondo can't enjoy it because he wants more than the world is going to provide for him and i think Mm -hmm. maybe his arc is finally realizing that he wants that his wants are in conflict and that in the end he can't get everything he needs but his relationship with his brother and his brother's mastery is too important to compromise. And that's why he stands up to Pascal and says, you will never, my brother's never going to work for you. He has something that's rare and you will never have it. You're common. And why they're huddling at the end, you know, they're hugging each other, sort of side hugging and as if to say, okay, we're going to lose this restaurant, but we have something more important. Yeah. And, and I th- I think that's where Secondo ends. And yeah. it's incredibly painful. And he loses Phyllis along the way. And it, so it's hard earned. But I think that's where, I think that's his arc. Yeah, I like that answer. I think that's a good one. Um, 
You ready to go trivia? Yeah. So, trivia. Um, Stanley Tucci, I heard an interview with him recently, and he described a culinary catastrophe at a family gathering, a time he was cooking for his family. Kind of a medium big night, right? He wanted to impress okay. his extended family. And his, you know, he comes from an Italian family. They're obsessed with food. He wants to impress them. And something went terribly wrong. Um, not life-alteringly wrong, but, you know, it was an embarrassment. So was this catastrophe A... Uh, he mixed a pitcher of Negronis, but he accidentally used cherry liqueur instead of Campari, which is a bitters. And he says it tasted like Sucret's cough drops with a hint of gin uh, <laughs> without the bitter. Gross. So that's A. B, he was making a timpano much like the Timbano the brothers make in this movie, and it collapsed, and he said it looked like Mount St. Helens after the eruption. Or C, <laughs> uh, he was making a marinara sauce, but he accidentally substituted fresh mint that he had prepped for another dish for fresh basil in the simmering phase, and so he simmered his marinara in fresh peppermint uh, for like an hour, and he said he had a flavor that was something... Almost like gazpacho, but not nearly as good. <laughs> Pasta tucci. Pasta tucci. Um, let's see. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with B because I know that a timbalo is a recipe that the Tucci family made, um, and so I am. That's gonna be. That's that's my answer. Well, yeah, it's actually Timpano, but yes, B is correct. No, they're called Timbalos. Oh, really? That is the actual name of it, oh. is a Timbalo. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. Well, he um, called, did, you know, did you know that his uh, production company is Timpano Productions? Did you see that? Yes. Yeah, I love that when I saw that at yeah. the when I saw the uh, the bumper at the beginning. Hooray! Yes. Hooray. Uh, no, and like, I did not see that answer, but I did know that he's a cook, and I knew, and I was like, I know that he's at least attempted those before. Yeah. I'm going to try one, I think. Um, I uh, Oh, let's do it together. Yeah. I'll drive down to L.A. and we'll try All to right, make a timbalo. Let's, let's make a it. A timpano. Yeah, Either, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, let's make it. Let's make it. Uh, I've seen yeah. some that oh, have a kind so of uh, pastry shell, but clearly the one they made in the movie had a cheese shell. And I want to make the one they made in the movie, which is basically cheese shell... It does have flour holding it together, and then clearly it has ziti and meatballs inside too, and probably some other stuff too. But um, yeah, oh all God. right, and eggs make... and uh, mm -hmm. oh god, yeah, that'd be yeah. so good. It's like like the um, it's kind of it feels like the Italian version of like a cassoulet, where you're like, yeah. oh my god, this is gonna take like three days to make, and the important part is the crust. It also reminds me of like every now and again I'll get fed a video on Facebook or YouTube that's like. Somebody took Snickers and then chopped them up and then covered them in caramel and then bathed them in cornflakes and then rolled all that up and baked it and sliced it and then covered that in marshmallow <laughs> like these ter terrible sort of Midwestern creations and then and then used that as a batter for fried chicken and then cooked the chicken and then stripped it and <laughs> put it on a pizza and added bacon to it and then rolled it all up and deep fried it. <laughs> You know, it's kind of it's, it's like, like a 
It's like a culinary game of telephone. Yeah. Yeah, or <laughs> exquisite like... corpse. <laughs> culinary. Exquisite yeah, yeah, there you corpse. go. That's a better culinary <laughs> exquisite corpse. Well, that'd be great if you just like, how would you do that? You would like cook something and then like, you'd like hand it to somebody like through like a cardboard box. I think, so they I think it would be easier to just to, to write like, the recipe and you can only see the uh, step before. It, <laughs> oh, and no. Have, and then you have oh, to follow God. the recipe. <laughs> Okay, there we go. Yeah, that's that's another one that we should try. <laughs> that would be terrible and great. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Phyllis, played brilliantly by Minnie Driver, was almost played by what other 1990s actor? Ooh. A, Sarah Jessica Parker. B, Mary Louise Parker. Or C, Parker Posey. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm going to guess Parker Posey because I like her a lot and she did appear in a lot of independent films in this era. Um, so I'm going with C. It was B, Mary Louise Parker. I, don't, I can't picture her. I remember that name. Um, uh, she, 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 she garnered like... I mean, eventually, like, widespread fame for playing Nancy Botkin and Weeds. Mm. But the, she's also been in tons. And I think, you know, she's probably around the same age as Minnie Driver. Maybe Minnie Driver's a little younger than she is. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't... I think they made the right choice. Does Minnie Driver... I, she's brilliant in this movie, and she's brilliant in Goodwill Hunting, and she's brilliant in Gross Point Blank. But it made me feel like... Does Minnie Driver always play the object of the protagonist's admiration? Like, does she ever get to be a protagonist? Because I feel indignant on her behalf. If not, that's a great question. I don't know. Damn it! Huh. Make a movie where Minnie Driver is the protagonist. Hollywood yeah. world. Make it. Make it happen. Women don't just exist for men to aspire to. Yeah. Um, well, are you going to watch this again? Yes. I'll watch it every few years. Um, it was better than I remember, and I remember it being very good. We didn't talk about this, but one of the things that was extraordinary was the mobile camera. And maybe why I didn't remember it is I remembered the locked camera for the one mm -hmm. takes at the beginning and the end of the restaurant. It's not entirely locked. It actually raises itself up a little bit. Yeah, it drifts it's, a little bit. It's a little bit. But the camera is incredibly mobile, and there's some really wonderful, weird cinematography, like in pascal's bar the first time oh, yeah. where the camera does like a loop to loop or something like that and and i i mean in the and also the lighting design the the reds and the vividness i remember it being a kind of like well acted but sort of work a day filmed movie no it is well acted and <laughs> brilliantly filmed yeah. Um, and again, like you drink man, woman, all the more brilliant for being obviously on film, film, film. Um, oh God. So beautiful. So, so beautiful. So what about like, you? Are you oh. going to watch it again? <sighs> yeah. I'm going to, yeah, Tonight? I mean, I've still, I've got it rented. I've got it rented from Amazon for another, you know, 24 hours. So like, yes, I'm going to watch it again tonight. <laughs> yeah. It was also better than I remembered. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an extraordinary movie. <laughs> well, listener. Um, yeah. Well, listener, I'm gonna do two. What's next? Um, because I'm not okay. entirely percent. I'm not entirely sure, but we are we are actually done with our official foodie films. But we have a bonus. 
foodie film, which is going to be a live episode. I think the live episode will have happened by the time this episode comes out, so I won't plug it. Mm. Um, but um, you should plug it in. But it was great. It was, uh, it, was it was amazing. You should listen to it. It was great. It. We had such a good time. A it was so time, awesome. Great questions. We're so glad you were all there. Um, all the hundreds of you. Stanley Thank Tucci you showed up in the chat, yep. in the Zoom. It was amazing, <laughs> yeah. as did as did Ian Holm. It was incredible. Um, it was really, really fun. Somebody gave us $1,000 to sing uh, Barbershop Harmony with a seventh. Um, it was great. Paid for our uh, our, our uh, Google subscription. Paid for our, yeah, paid for our hosting for the year. For the year. What's next, listener, is one of our digression episodes with the writer Josh Moore. A uh, really fascinating writer. So look for that. That's coming up soon. Thank you for listening. Once again, we have a listener survey on our website. Uh, please fill it out. We're going to keep talking about it until we get enough. Uh, one, are you in a drawing to win a storied Bluetooth speaker? Perfect for listening to Upper Middle Brow. Go to UpperMiddleBrow.com for the link to the survey. Upper Middle Brow is a small point production. Chris Bag and Jesse Dukes are primo and secondo, but don't ask us who is which. Music by Ben Pajak and Jesse Dukes. Design and website by Chris Bag. You can learn more about us at UpperMiddleBrow.com. And as a reminder, Jesse and I are both writers and editors, and we can help you with your writing, podcasting, or editing project. You can see some of our portfolios and learn more at our respective websites, chrisbag.com and jessedukes.com. Check it out and get in touch if you want to talk about how we can help you with your project, big or small. I kind of think I'm primo because I'm grumpier. I don't know if you're grumpier. Hmm. I can be quite grumpy. Um, we, we both have facial hair right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, who's the public face? And I think we switch. I feel like we switch roles. I feel I like think we do. I feel like sometimes I'm the secondo and you're the primo, and sometimes I'm the primo and you're the secondo, which yeah, is a good way to good. be. That is a good way to be. Well, everybody, go cook something ambitious. See you, everybody. Go watch Big Night. Go watch Big Night. <laughs>